Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for the second week in a row, I've got my good friend Mike Ruff with us. And I won't give you his introduction again, but just say, Mike, welcome and thanks for being back. Well, thanks, Paul. I had fun last week and I know I'm going to have fun this week. I mean, obviously, you know, people like to talk about themselves. (laughs) And I'm no exception. (laughs) Well, me either. And uh, gosh, I love hearing about you because we have a lot of things in common. I want to pick up on something that you said uh, last week, and it it has no theological implication at all. Just uh, what uh, came to my mind, you, you talked about growing up in an Armenian church where you thought you could be in and out, have your salvation, lose it, and that kind of stuff. And you mentioned you were one way in church, and then when you were out on the road and selling, you were a little different. And it reminded me of the church that I grew up in. It was an Armenian church and the same doctrine. And my dad was an elder in that church and, you know, a prominent guy in the church. And I don't know if this was a written doctrine or if they had to sign a statement, but my dad didn't drink. And, uh, you know, we never had alcohol in our house. Now, my mom's dad, their family was German, and he made wine. And when we went out to their house out in the country, which was about 20 miles away, he always gave us some wine, and it was really strong wine. And my dad always partook it. And I never thought about it being two-faced or anything like that. I thought, well, you know, we this we go out to my grandparents, and that's what we do, you know, and you're just being nice doing that. Well, when I was 11 years old in the fifth grade, I started playing a trumpet. And I was probably, I wasn't five feet tall. I'm not much over that now, but uh, <laughs> uh, in a couple of years time, and I got to be you know, pretty good on the trumpet. One of the things we love to do, my folks were baseball fans. I, I learned how to talk, listen to Harry Carey broadcast the Cardinals. And we would go up about once a month. We would leave very early on a Sunday morning. This was before interstates. We'd drive five or six hours to St. Louis. And generally we'd watch a double header and then we'd come back. And uh, I mean, our life just kind of centered around that. Well, a couple of years into playing the trumpet, I got to be pretty good. So just on a whim, I took my trumpet with me. And so they didn't check stuff that you took in or anything. And so here I am just a very, you know, probably I don't know, 12, 13 years old. So the Cardinals would start to have a little rally and I stood up on my seat and played, (laughs) played charge. Well, the peep, the crowd went nuts. I think, I think especially it was unique, but especially because I was small in stature. Well, people started coming around and saying, what can we get you? What can we buy you? My dad said, beer, beer, (laughs) beer. All throughout that first double header, you know, beer and peanuts and Cracker Jacks, hot dogs, whatever we wanted, just it kept coming. So my dad's loving it. Of course, you know, my, my mom is too. Well, we drive back to our little town in the Ozarks and comes time for a month later for us to go again. And I said to my dad, I, I said, should I take my trumpet? And he said, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now he he wouldn't drink in public in our little town or even in our house if they you know. <laughs> but it was a different story when it, especially when it was free. I don't know why I even put that story in here but it has meaning to me I guess. Well, and you brought a lot of fond memories back in my mind too about uh, some of the I saw Stan Musial and uh, yeah, uh, boy, the, the pitcher, left-handed pitcher, but Dodgers, uh, Carl, Sandy Mark. Koufax, Sandy Koufax. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, a lot of great fun. Well, you told us last week about the experience you had in 1975 when you just told God if if he didn't start showing you what the scriptures meant, you were done. And of course he did. You had what we now know as the teacher in you started teaching you. And so then tell us what happened after that. You mentioned that the younger people in the church were with you, but not the older people. And you realized it wasn't your job to cause trouble. All right. That started you on this grace journey. So where to take you next? Well, I kept learning about the Grace Walk. I, I think you've had, have you had, you've had Steve McVeigh on, haven't you? I have. I have Podcast? indeed. I thought so. Yeah. And Steve is a friend of mine. And you remember Steve wrote the book, Grace Walk. Mm-hmm. And he wrote that even before his latest. Understanding. Yeah. 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 And after I read his book, I could have written that book really from the standpoint of what he put in it. Right. I mean, I couldn't write like he does or anything like that. I'm just not saying that. But I'm just saying that he and I came to the same understanding through the years. And he says today that he would still write much of the same thing that he wrote then, although now he has a, a different idea about, you know, how, you know, how a person saved and so on. So anyway, I walked from 1975 until 2011, the Grace Walk, and had two or three different pastors during that time. Uh, I no longer join churches. I don't do that. I don't uh, like denominations. Denominations are, I saw that I looked up at the time back in 1975 and six, that denomination actually meant division. And I was reading what Paul was saying in Corinthians. And he said, you know, his first Corinthians, he said, is Christ divided? He said, you people are like you divided Christ, but is Christ divided? And he said, obviously the answer is no. You know, but that's in essence what you've done. And so I saw that and saw that uh, denominations are a division. And they divide the Christ and divide the fellowship of believers. And so consequently, I no longer would take part in it. But in uh, 2011, I was in just pain that was uh, beyond really deep, deep pain on my back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had something going on, didn't know what it was at the time. But while I'm lying in bed, I was reading the Bible, and I was reading 2 Corinthians 5 this one particular day, and came to 18, 19, and 24. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, and I like to fell out of bed. I'm not kidding you. I saw that, and it, it just struck me, and I said to God, I said, when did you put this in here? <laughs> That's what I actually said. You know, and of course, I realized it's, it's been there the whole time. Yeah. I had read it how many times, but had never seen it. And this gives me pause sometimes to say, you know, is do people not see because they don't want to see or do they not see because they have not yet been enlightened by the Holy Spirit? And uh, I don't have an answer for that. So you can, you, can, you can answer that for me if you want. But anyhow, I really, I saw that. I said, wow. And I said, okay, all right. I see this and that, this looks wonderful. I need confirmation. 
Okay. I was not willing just to take my own understanding at that point. And a friend in town here, actually, he wasn't, he is a, a slight friend, but he put something on Facebook that led me to Steve McVeigh. And so I go and I went, I, and I don't even remember what it was now, but I went to Steve McVeigh's website and lo and behold, there was my confirmation. And like I say, I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> it was, that was all I needed, you know, and I was off and running. And uh, so I've been off and running ever since with, with the gospel of the full gospel of grace, the whole gospel, not the partial gospel that most of Christianity puts out there as gospel. And that's just the way I talk about it. And like Michael Brown's book, Hyper Grace, you know, I said, wow, that's wonderful. He's put a great name on it. Yeah. You know, because that's exactly what, you know, Paul says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Yeah. Much, much more. Hyper, you know, and he uses the word hooper right there, which right. is hyper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And so I was off and running. I said, wow. In my whole, just everything changed. And love began to flow into me when I saw that God had done everything for all of us, for the whole human race. And there was nothing he held back from us. And like I said, I was off and running. And, and of course, that love and what I've discovered was that I no longer tried to love because I no longer tried to get God to love me because I knew he loved me with his whole being. We look at love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. <laughs> and we think God says for us to do that, but he doesn't. But he does. That's where <laughs> he has loved us with his whole being. And he loves me with the whole cosmos, everything. and so. That's pouring into me, and when it pours into you like that, like a flood, there's no place for it to go. You can't hold it. You cannot hold it in, and so it began to flow out towards everybody else, and I began to see the whole world as being my brother and sisters, everybody, and that's where I've been there ever since, and like I say, lost a few more friends <laughs> I lost some when I went to Grace, but I lost a lot more when when I went to Hyper Grace. And thanks, Michael Brown, if, if yeah. you ever hear this. <laughs> thanks for that. I love that term. I really do. You know, he meant it as a derision, but one of these days he'll see it and he'll recognize well, it. He will. And that, yeah. that's our uh, undying hope. And I think it's a solid hope that everybody will come to see that, of course. And I was just listening to so many things came to mind when you were saying that, Mike. I was listening to Steve McVeigh this morning and and he was talking about how we don't have love to give until we've experienced that love. Right. And boy, I can certainly, certainly relate to that. If you're trying to love, give it up. Yeah. If you don't love just out of the love that is pouring into you, if you don't recognize God is, I mean, trying to love is just a human endeavor. And that's just human works, which, you know, have been burned up or going to burn up because being loving to people is better than being hateful. But but, but, but I'm saying, but if, if you're trying to love in order to you know, make God happy or anything else, you're just doing it for all the wrong reason. Yeah. And if you don't love naturally, then you just haven't yet seen the truth. I agree wholeheartedly. And so what 2011 was when I first met uh, Steve McVeigh, well, give or take a year, I guess. And he certainly uh, changed my life. And I kind of went 
through this journey with him when he was seeing, you know, really coming into a, a full understanding of it. He's he's influenced you and me and so many other people and still is and uh, is a real blessing to guys, to all of us. And, and one of the things that uh, you mentioned before, you asked God, when did he put that verse in Second Corinthians 5, 18? When I really started following, I use that term, following Christ in, in uh, the early 1980s, I had a mentor, a wonderful guy who was a navigator, and I spent Tuesday mornings with him for about 20 years, I guess. And they were really into scripture memory, and not just verses, but chapters, you know. And, uh, well, that's what I did, you know. And uh, the first chapter that they ever had me memorize was Romans 6, and I had no clue what it meant. Not a clue. Not even close. And I knew it. I knew at the time. You know, I can stand up and quote this in front of the church, which I did. And I thought, it's gobbledygook. But, you know, I didn't tell people that because I thought they were all smarter than I was. And they all knew what it meant. And I wasn't about to admit I didn't know what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, and then I'd been a pastor for 20 years and I was teaching all. I don't think I ever taught on. Well, I I did teach on 2 Corinthians 517. I said, if you're in Christ, then you're a a new creation. But I don't think, well, I don't know. I can't read people's minds or hearts. Fortunately, they can't read mine either. But I I don't think I uh, intentionally didn't want to know the truth. I think I was around people, Mike, that I respected, you know, that had letters after their name, that had a history of integrity. And uh, they said, this is what this meant. And I was just gullible. I didn't, I respected them. So I didn't challenge it. I remember this one particular fella. I would have problems in relationships or in business. I was in business at the time or different things. And and I would go to him and I would say, well, I'm having this problem, you know, help me with this. And he would quote a Bible verse every time he would quote a Bible verse. And I couldn't see the link between them. And so initially I would say, all right, well, explain me what that means. And he would explain something and it still didn't connect, but I had so much respect for him. You know, I lied and I said, oh yeah, 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 I get it. <laughs> Finally, I just, I quit asking him or for a while I would ask him and he'd quote a Bible verse and I'd say, oh yeah, well, thanks. Well, now I get it. I just, <laughs> I've quit, you know, <laughs> I gave up on that. <laughs> By the way, is that the fellow I met? No, 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 not. Okay. okay. No, no. The, uh, the guy I'm talking about passed away a few years okay. ago. No, the fellow you met, I'll mention his name. A lot of our viewers know him, Gene Fritzel. Love that guy. I love that guy. Oh, me too. I was with him yesterday afternoon. Uh, He's the one who first started mentioning to me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And again, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't tell him I didn't know because I'd had experience by then. I'm not going to admit my uh, (laughs) stupidity, Uh, but uh, he hung with me as he uh, was, but has lots of other people. And he, unlike you leaving churches and me having people leave my church, he and his wife, and they're the salt of the earth. They were expunged. They had, and I think three different times, they, they had uh, people write them off the rolls, take them off the rolls and publicly say, because they were saying that God loved people that their particular church didn't think God loved. And that's just a hard thing. There's no getting around it. Fortunately, I've had, and I will, like you, you said, your friend Bill calling you, 
I've had people who've come back to me now and said, in essence, apologize. I said, mm-hmm. you know, no apology needed, but they've said, right. we just didn't get it. And we're, we're so sorry that we uh, left, that we uh, said the things that we did. Uh, and so, and that will happen to everybody. That phrase in Philippians 2, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The you, I'm sure you know this, Mike, but the word is, will gladly confess. Yeah. It's not a forced yeah. thing at all. Right. It's right. they will yeah. gladly confess. And uh, I know that uh, you have, since you're retired, you have a little more time on your hands than you did before. We didn't even get to what we were going to talk about in this episode. Is it okay with you if we wrap this up and do one more? Sure. Sure. I, I love this. <laughs> well, me too. Well, Mike Ruff, thank you again for being with us. Tell people once again how they can uh, connect with you. Well, my email is Mike Ruff, R-O-U-G-H at Comcast.net. And everybody else in the world has it because I get two or 300 emails a day. So anyway, that's one way you can see and visit our fellowship group. It's called Lawless Grace Fellowship. That's law hyphen less. Not that we're lawless and go do anything, it's just, but we're free from the law. That's what it is from from Mosaic law, and uh, you can so you can go to, um, uh, but it, but it's easier to find find it under Mike Ruff on uh, YouTube, and then we have a website for our uh, radio broadcast, which is www.conversationsinchrist.com. That's conversationsinchrist.com. And uh, we get on there and we just, and my buddy Bill Rose and I chat and uh, we have, we have a good time. So that's how you can get a hold of me if you want to. I'm a guy with no letters, no bona fides. Uh, I'm just plain old guy, but I love the Lord and he loves me. A plain old good guy. I, I, well, I, I don't would know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't claim that. I do. And my new creation, I, you know, I know that I'm perfect in my new creation, same as you and everybody else, but it's nothing that I have done. I, let's put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, Mike, thanks again for being with us. We'll do another interview that people will hear a week later. We'll be wearing the same shirts unless you change real quickly. <laughs> we're, we're doing this all in one day, but that's just the way it works. So thanks, Mike. And uh, thanks, everybody, for being with us for uh, another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.